Today on the show, blessed are the code makers, looking into the eyes of Our Lady of Guadalupe, learning about St. Nicholas, our picks of the week, and so much more. The Catholic Underground starts right now. Yeah, that's how you know it's working. Ah, it is time for the CU Weekly, the show that tries to cut through the noise of the digital continent and bring you the topics that matter, those that will help you on the way to salvation. It's episode number 333. I am Father Chris Decker. Joining me this week, we've got Kathleen Lee. She's a religion teacher. She's a campus minister. She does all of that at Archbishop Chappelle High School in Metairie, Louisiana. She is our locally sourced faith ninja. Hey, Kathleen. Oh, well, hello, everyone. Also, Olivia Galino, student of life, resident Italian food critic, and ever, ever present to us in the Catholic Underground. Hey, Olivia. Hey, Father. Also, uh, up in space, we got Jeff Blackwell. He's the technical director of the CU. He's the commandant of the Jeff Star One Near Earth Orbit Satellite. Hello, Jeff. Howdy ho, neighbor. Somebody's yes, got to do it. And not many people know, uh, Jeff is not short for Jeffrey. It's short for Jeffward. Not many people know that. I know. Yeah. That was our secret. But anyway, oh, so, oh, I now it's out. That's that, okay. That's Everyone all right. knows. Word, yes. Any, anyway, we got uh, Ed. Uh, Ed Ball is running the video for us if you're watching us live on Facebook or CatholicUnderground.tv. And Katie, she owns cats, but she's not a cat lady. Richard, uh, she's, <laughs> she's there running the graphics for us today. So if you're watching us, um, we thank you, actually, because this is um, we, we have new cameras to, to work with here. And that is through your prayers and through your generosity. And so um, we're just going to keep on doing what we're doing, you know, um, until the Lord says, stop it. <laughs> stop it right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's usually how apostolates work. You, you mm-hmm. move until the Lord says, move this way. And you're done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So uh, we, we're not done. We're just getting started. In fact, I would dare say that we, dear friends, may have another intercessor for us at the Catholic yes. Underground. Oh. Yeah. Uh, a computer geek is taking one more step towards sainthood. And, of course, we're talking about uh, Carlo Acutis. Mm-hmm. He is a 15-year-old who, um, who succumbed to leukemia in mm-hmm. 2006. And uh, on Thursday, November 24th of, the t- of 2016, um, Cardinal Scola closed the diocesan phase of his canonization process. And so that means that, um, that all of the, the paperwork and the investigations on the diocesan level have closed, and they are now going to be moving kind of up the ladder, if you will, uh, to the cause for the causes for the saints in Rome, and so the thing about that Carlo is, is that's really awesome, is uh, he was gifted with anything related to computers, mm-hmm. so that his friends and the adults with computer engineering degrees considered him a genius. Mm-hmm. So Carlo at 15 um, was was doing tremendous things with computers, and uh, it's really really cool to to see a young man who is a contemporary, uh, our contemporary. Mm-hmm. Um, who uh, who may have uh, who may have succumbed to leukemia, but but uh, beautifully his life was a witness even mm-hmm. as, as a young man. So so let's tell you a little bit more about this uh, this young man. Okay, so in addition to being a computer genius, he uh, devoted himself to prayer. He went to daily mass, and oh by the way, he liked computer programming, <laughs> film editing, website creation, and the layout of comics. Mm-hmm. Carlo, wow. pray for me. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I can only hope, Carlo, that when the Lord calls me home, the same thing will be said if my call should ever go to the saints. uh, Because this sounds like a kid that I would have enjoyed spending time with, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, One of his most significant computer ventures, though, was cataloging all the Eucharistic miracles of the world. 
And with things mm. like Google Maps and whatnot, that's actually something that's possible nowadays, right? Yeah. Um, so he started the project when he was 11, and he wrote at the time, now this, this is an 11-year-old, okay? He said, the more Eucharist we receive, the more we will become like Jesus, so that on this earth we will have a foretaste of heaven. An 11-year-old. Wow. You know what's funny is when I first saw this article, I kind of counted backwards. I was like, okay, he was 15 in 2006. He was born in 1991. I realized he was only a year older than I was. So I tried to Mm. imagine myself as an Mm 11-year-old. Nothing like that came Mm. out. No, those... And that's the beautiful thing about, uh, especially about young saints. Uh, You know that the Lord... The Lord chooses them early, mm-hmm. you know? Um, of course, we are chosen to be saints from, from the moment of our conception. But, uh, but the Lord in his wisdom knows of the crosses that, that, uh, that will be part of mm-hmm. what we must bear. And, and so he can bring a soul, perhaps through the infusion of knowledge, those gifts of the Spirit, um, to a really, really high place for the benefit of the church. Mm-hmm. Because the Lord always raises up saints in every age that will be necessary for the sanctification of the world. You know, it's one of the things that um, we give thanks for on uh, in, in Advent is that we're preparing for the coming of Jesus at Christmas, but in a very real way, we are participating now in the work of our salvation. The Lord calls us through the life of grace, not just to be bystanders, but to actually participate in our salvation. That's a great mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, and for an 11-year-old to, to say, the more Eucharist we receive, the more we become like Jesus, so that on this earth we will have a foretaste of heaven. The, the young man loved the Eucharist. And of course, that's why he documented all of these Eucharistic miracles. Um, he then asked his parents to start taking him to all the places of the Eucharistic miracles. And two and a half years later, the project was completed. Hmm. Um, so he researched over 136 Eucharistic miracles that occurred over the centuries in different countries around the world that have been acknowledged by the church. And he collected them into a virtual museum. Um, he created a website, uh, and we'll make sure that there's a link for that in the show notes uh, to this museum. And he helped create panel presentations that have traveled around the world. And actually, several of those panel presentations uh, um, have taken place uh, in our own diocese of Baton Rouge. Mm, actually, several mm. of the parishes have hosted those. Um, I didn't know it at the time, but that's who that's who yeah, there you go. helped to put that together. Um, according to the introductory panel of that, that traveling uh, Eucharistic miracle um, uh, project. In the United States alone, thanks to assistance from the Knights of Columbus, the Cardinal Newman Society, and the Real Presence Association in Education, with the support of Cardinal Raymond Burke, it has been hosted in thousands of parishes in more than 100 universities. Mm-hmm. Um, they've traveled to all five uh, continents, have inspired many by their amazing photographs and their beautiful stories. So this young man didn't just keep his faith kind of bottled up there, mm-hmm. but, uh, but he also... Um, he also made it possible to travel around the world, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. He also says, to always be close to Jesus, that's my life plan. Mm. Young man, please pray for me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> pray, pray for us. Pray for our apostolate. Um, his mother said about him, his immense generosity made him interested in everyone, the foreigners, the handicapped children, beggars. To be close to Carlo was to be close to a fountain of fresh water. Uh, he understood the true value of his life as a gift from God, as an effort an answer to give to the Lord Jesus day by day in simplicity. Mm-hmm. She pointed out that I should stress that he was a normal boy who was joyful, serene, sincere, and helpful, and loved having company, and he liked having friends as well. Mm. Um, yeah. I love that when 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 saints are just normal people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah and, especially yeah. with these modern saints, you know, I, I'm reminded of, blessed Pierre, Giorgio Frassati. Yeah. Just that, that he liked to hang out with his friends. You know, sure. He was a young person. 
you know, it was oftentimes we look at, at saints and saintly people as uh, these people who spend all day in contemplative prayer and, you know, they, they never come out of their rooms. And sometimes you know, that's true of a saint. Mm-hmm. Um, but to see that they were real people, yeah, yeah. that yeah. they enjoyed life. Um, and all that it, all that it entailed. Mm-hmm. You know? Oftentimes, hagiographical hey, writing, you know, kind of this exalted style of writing about the saints, mm-hmm. you can kind of lose connection with them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but especially when we see saints in our own century in our own time, mm-hmm. we we are able to connect with them. And that's really that's why the church proclaims the saints, not to say they're already in heaven and that they are they are interceding for you, but they are worthy of imitation. They are yeah. worthy of being imitated. They are worthy of living, um, because they point to Jesus. He said. My gosh, again, this is a young man, right? <laughs> All people are born as originals, he said, but many die as photocopies. To die wow. as an original, Carlo maintained, was to be guided by Christ and to look at him constantly. Mm. Um, he went to Mass every day. He was interested in being a teenager in the 21st century. His interests were very broad, but he also worked with children and the elderly, for he said, our aim has to be the infinite and not the finite. The infinite is our homeland. We have always been expected in heaven. So if approved, uh, the car cause for Carlo will proceed to the Holy Father, and he will then declare him as venerable. Yeah. That's, I, you know. <laughs> I love that. I love yeah. that because, like Kathleen said, it's important for us to see normal people as saints, but it mm-hmm. also makes it more attainable for our sainthood, our sanctification. You know, yeah. it, it helps me realize, like, okay, well, he spent time on the Internet, so that's that's fine, right? Like, that's a normal thing. Yeah. Like, and it doesn't have to be, like, my halo is going to be crooked. It can be, like, I can be a real saint and right. be in And the be world. engaged in the world yeah. in which I live. Yeah. I think sometimes we think that we have to be completely uh, divorced of everything that we do day to day. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but as we remember, too, the Catechism makes it very clear that our baptismal call is to make holy the mundane. Mm-hmm. You know, make holy the everyday. Mm-hmm. And and because of our baptism, the works that we do in our daily life can be exalted to the Lord. They can be lifted up to Him, and they can um, they can take on a supernatural quality. Uh, and that's something that we often don't think of. We think of our daily life as just, eh, humdrum, there's nothing particularly special about it. Mm-hmm. But every work that we do mm-hmm. can actually have merit for our souls and for the souls of others. Mm-hmm. And, and I was talking yeah. to someone recently, too, about how it's easy to think of our faith and our, our the practice of our faith as something that's part of our life mm-hmm. instead of the thing, our life. the thing yeah the thing mm-hmm. that animates our entire life and that's why i loved reading about carlo because that he really let his faith animate his entire life yeah. you know he put his skills to good use but he also you know went to a cafe down the street with his friends i'm sure mm-hmm. you know he he let everything he do he did he did excuse me just be animated by that christian joy right. exactly and I look at my life at 35 years on your earth, and I go, man, I don't know if I've even come close to that, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's the beautiful thing about the saints is they're always a witness to us to kind of step up higher. Mm-hmm. And that's always a beautiful thing. So as I say, the next stage is to send all of his biographical works, all that stuff accumulated. That will go to Rome. It'll be reviewed by the Congregation for the Causes of Saints, and then Venerable, then Beatus, Blessed, and then Saint Carlo. Mm. So... Cool. Uh, so, so note of our prayers, Carlo, for you, for your um, uh, beatification and for your canonization. Yeah. And uh, that's the beautiful thing about the saints is that we can pray that that works are done mm-hmm. um, to, to bring about uh, the miracles. Because Carlo, Carlo, will, you will have some, some miracles to perform. Yeah. Um, and uh, that'll be so cool to see what the, what those are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What that, you know, especially with what he's connected with, mm-hmm. um, to see 
miracles used in social media or yeah. technology. Um, what what's that going to look like? You know, yeah. instead of, and, and maybe not. Maybe it'll just be. Yeah, maybe it'd be someone else suffering with leukemia or yeah. right, or right. A, a child or something of that nature. You never know. But how interesting would that be if that was if mm-hmm. if that was used somehow? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, I'm going to start asking your intercession, uh, Carlo. I hope you don't mind. And and. Uh, hmm. Jeez, Father, why are you talking to him? Because the saints are more alive than we are. Mm-hmm. Carlo can hear us just as our Lord can hear us, just mm-hmm. as Our Lady hears us, mm-hmm. you know. So be not afraid to speak out loud to your guardian angel, to your saint, and then, of course, uh, to our Blessed Mother and to the Lord. You know what we call that? We call that prayer, mm-hmm. <laughs> opening the mind and the heart to God. You don't have to pray in the third person, but make sure that uh, that your prayer is, in fact, personal because our God is a communion of persons, and he calls us into that family by virtue of our baptism. One of the things that uh, we are called to do is to tell you, of course, that you are listening to The Catholic Underground. Yep, you found The Catholic Underground somehow, some way, and uh, we are online at catholicunderground.tv. You can hear us on the radio, where fine radios are sold. And um, I am Father Chris Decker, joined by Jeff Blackwell up in space. Yeah. Look at him. He's all lighted up. <laughs> he is. Oh, I see. He's got his uh, his, his Christmas orbs on oh. up there. <laughs> Very nice. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, so we've got uh, Olivia Galino as well as Kathleen Lee. And our picks of the week are coming up. But first, yes. we would be remiss if we don't talk about a feast that, that, that happens in December, and yes. uh, it actually happens after the Feast of St. Juan Diego, right. the one to whom the tilma was granted by Our Lady. Sure. Of course, mm-hmm. we're speaking of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and if you're listening to us live, tomorrow is the feast mm-hmm. um, that we are talking of, and if you aren't, well, then you, you may have missed it. But That's right, it was December 12th. <laughs> yeah, it's December 12th. So um, there's actually a 2015 documentary out that explains, and this is what's so beautiful about Our Lady, mm-hmm. is when she appears, she doesn't just like... Hey, hey I'm yeah. married. This is the things you need to do. There's so much that draws us into mm-hmm. the actual apparition. Yep. And so um, there's a 2015 documentary out that explains a codex of symbols that the Aztec people, which is this is who she appeared to, mm-hmm. um, would have recognized in her, this miraculous image. And you, you probably have seen the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Um, very colorful, very beautiful. Very um, busy yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you think like, oh, that's a great like rendition. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. This is this is it all means something. Mm-hmm. There's something to it. I remember a politician once uh, was making a visit to uh, to the, the the shrine there, mm-hmm. and uh, that politician who shall remain nameless, uh, she said, "This is beautiful. Who painted it?" Mm-hmm. And the bishop said, without skipping a beat, "God." <laughs> Ain't nobody painted that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah, yes, uh, the image is centuries. Year, centuries old. Mm-hmm. Um, the actual apparition occurred in 1531, so we're almost at 500 years. That's right. So in about 15 years, if I do my math right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but but her message to Saint Juan Diego has been translated um, into numerous languages over the years. Countless books have been written yeah. about the apparition and the tilma or the cloak, mm-hmm. right? Um, and this image have been uh, scrutinized by scientists. They're looking at you know. Could somebody have painted this right. at the They've time? They've taken parts of the fibers right. of the, of mm-hmm. the tilma. Uh, Where did this yeah. come from? Is this is this man-made paint? You know, mm-hmm. this kind right. of thing. Um, so what more, after all this has been done, after these books have been written, um, these scientists have, have probed into this apparition, what more can we as Catholics learn about Our Lady of Guadalupe and her message? 
Let me tell you, a whole yeah. whole lot, uh, mm-hmm. plenty. Mm-hmm. And uh, this especially comes from Supreme Knight of the Knights of Columbus, Carl Anderson, who along with uh, Monsignor Eduardo Chavez Sanchez. Awesome last name. What a name, name mm-hmm. man. That's that. Yeah, double Z on the end. That's a great Ooh. alliteration, mm-hmm. y'all. Mm-hmm. He is the postulator for St. Juan Diego's cause for canonization. Mm-hmm. Um, they produced the 2015 documentary, Guadalupe, The Miracle and the Message. And so um, what Anderson says is I think most people have very little understanding of the codex which within the image itself. And the documentary helps explain exactly why the symbols contained within the image are so important and had such resonance. So what he's saying is we see this image and, you know, it has all this meaning that maybe the those the, who are not of Aztec descent wouldn't sure, understand. Sure, the everyday or, Catholic yeah. is like, that's just pretty. Mm-hmm. That's real nice looking. It says the film is based on uh, Carl Anderson and Monsignor Chavez's New York Times bestseller, Our Lady Guadalupe, Mother of the Civil- Civilization of Love, which is mm-hmm. now I want to go read that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Anderson says, I think anyone who watches this film will learn things they didn't know and will come to a greater appreciation of Our Lady Guadalupe. Again, we're looking at almost 500 years later, later Our Lady is pulling us in, yeah. drawing us closer and saying, come and look and see. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind she, of a now more than ever thing. Right. Too, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, what a, what a beautiful time to be looking at this in the time of Advent mm-hmm. where, you know, in just a few weeks, she's going to say, come and mm-hmm. look and see, mm-hmm. you know, and, and gaze upon the, the Christ child. You know, that's actually a very beautiful connection. I always find it interesting that Our Lady of Guadalupe's feast day is in December. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet there is a very beautiful connection with, uh, well, obviously, the, the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe, she herself is pregnant, yeah, you know, which yeah. is not always an image you see of the Blessed Mother. Right. And yet how fitting it is, as you say, that she is kind of beckoning us forward. And one of the things that always is striking to me, too, is that when Mary appears, it's usually not just like once and right. she's gone, mm-hmm. but there are always like a series of things mm-hmm. that happens uh, surrounding her apparition. And she doesn't bust up on the scene saying, it is I, Mary, yeah. right? right? <laughs> Most of the times, they don't even know that it's Mary to begin with. Mm-hmm. You know, like St. Juan Diego did. Right. Yeah. They just tell of this beautiful lady that they've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so a little bit of history behind the miracle, behind the apparition, and why it was so desperately needed. Um, The documentary shows that uh, while Spanish conquistador Hernan Cortes, he had outlawed the practice of human sacrifice, um, the Aztecs were witnessing the collapse of their empire, right? So the enslavement of their people by the Spaniards and catastrophic loss of life uh, due to disease ripping through their whole population. Um, And so Anderson says, at the time of her apparition, the indigenous people of Mexico we're anticipating the end of the world. That's right. right. And for them, I mean, it was it was very much the end of their culture. Um, certainly, outlawing human sacrifice is a good thing, right. <laughs> you know. Um, uh, but but how must that seem? You know, like yeah. when the staples of our particular civilization seem to be crumbling. What do we do? Right. So Anderson says at the time of her apparition, uh, wait, no, sorry, so to understand the impact that Our Lady of Guadalupe has on the native population, you really have to put yourself in the position of these people, mm-hmm. right? So what Father Chris was saying, uh, we have to remember the horrific face of the Aztec deities that mm-hmm. were there to to receive the human sacrifices. So um, you know they are they're looking at at their own, the, the end of their own, you know, civilization, civilization. Mm-hmm. And, and it was not pleasant. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, so Spanish missionaries also recognized the dire situation in Mexico city. Um, Bishop Juan de 
Zumaraga. Zumaraga. Yeah. Zumaraga. That's a good one too, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Those are good names. They're not uh, afraid of the Z. Right. <laughs> I love it. He was so disgusted with the abuses carried out on the native population by the new Spanish government mm-hmm. um, that he felt that unless a miracle occurred, Mexico City would be lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he even went so far as to order all the priests to abandon the city until the government changed its ways. Gosh, that, so and says, that was in 1531. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the government and Mexico and her priests <laughs> have had that kind of a relationship for a very long time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, so things were looking pretty bad. If you're, you know, if if you're stay, sticking with us, this is thankfully um, a miracle did come though. Um, our lady, our lady appeared to a humble peasant Juan Diego, mm-hmm. um, telling him to have the bishop build a shrine for her on top of Tepeyac Hill. Um, which and is, of course, he was an Aztec descendant. Uh, right. You know, that's mm-hmm. a, yeah, he was a, an indigenous person. Uh, Juan yeah. Diego was. So what many people don't realize is that the miraculous image on the tilma is actually a kind of map. Is what mm-hmm. what Anderson is saying. Kind of like you'd see like on the wall right. in an Aztec temple, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Yeah. full mm. of symbols that the Aztec people would have readily recognized. They would have seen these things and known. Okay, this is what this means. Um, so he says her apparition, her message, and the codex on her tilma, the images within the image that would have been so clearly read by the indigenous people, introduced Christianity in a way that invited the people of Mexico to a new hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ presented by his mother. So what he's saying is, look, it looks real bad. <laughs> like the, you think the end of the world as a, as, as a people, the end of the world is near. Mm-hmm. But she's inviting them into Christianity, into a new life in Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. right? And, and the conversions of hearts mm-hmm. and souls, right? And isn't that what Mary does as the new Eve, really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, she invites, well, the entire universe into right. a new creation. But how beautiful it was also specifically Oh, people of Mexico, you think your life is at an end. Mm-hmm. I am a new dawn. I, I, I herald a new dawn. Yeah. yeah. I think it's so important and so cool that she speaks to them in a language that they can understand. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's very visual, but like all of the little things on mm-hmm. the tilma mean something yeah. mm-hmm. that they would, they don't have to see it and wonder about it and maybe go look it up. They yeah. see it and they immediately recognize yeah. what it is. And I love that that's how, I mean, that's how God speaks to us in the languages that we can understand. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he meets us where we are and, that, and Mary's doing that too. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, for sure. If, a few things that you may may recognize if you look at the image itself, one being the blue-green cape that Mary wears. Um, it's an image that would have immediately indicated to the native people um, that she was someone important, since that color uh, only an emperor would wear. Mm-hmm. So, so someone important, that this woman is somebody to be listened to, mm-hmm. right? Um, the way that she wore her hair, even. She wore it down in a style that only virgins would wear. Um, there was a black ribbon tied around her waist. And I've seen this, um, I think with Our Lady of Lourdes as well, she wears a ribbon indicating that she was with child, Mm -hmm. um, that she was pregnant. And so Anderson says, not only in her image, but in her choice of Juan Diego as her messenger, she showed a profound love for every person, even the smallest, the most humble, those some saw as inconvenient. Mm -hmm. Combined with her apparition as an expecting mother with an unborn child, her message is unmistakable. So even in her, even in the choice of Juan Diego, mm-hmm. she said, look, you know, I'm not coming to the kings. I'm not coming to the leaders. I'm not coming to, I'm coming to a peasant, mm-hmm. right? To a poor man, um, you know, and, and he, he, like, like many people that Mary appears to just, you know, had nothing. Like had, Mary herself, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> very humble, right? Yeah. And, and, and just did what, what she asked them to do, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. As, and, and it's so, funny, even the bishop himself was praying for a miracle. Mm-hmm. And he, as I recall in the, in the writings, he himself was like, I don't know. Yeah. I, you mm-hmm. know, 
Um, and so then, of course, that's where the roses come from, where right, Our Lady right. arranges the roses on the tilma as they're unfurled before the bishop. Mm-hmm. Right. And, of course, one of the things I find interesting is we don't know how Our Lady arranged the roses, but whatever she did, he knew exactly mm-hmm. what was going on yeah. there. Yeah. It's kind of like when the Lord wrote in the, in the sand, in the sand yeah. you know, um, how beautiful it is, again, that Mary even knows how to speak to the sons of the church. She knows right. how to speak to our bishops and to our priests. Right. Mm. So in the years that followed, uh, even among strife within um, with the Spanish government, one of the largest conversions mm-hmm. in the history of the church happened with over 9 million natives being baptized. What, it's a, like one of the largest conversions in the history of the church. That's right. A, an unbloody type of a situation, right. too. Yes. There was no, it was no conversion by the sword or, mm-hmm. or things like that. No. This was Our Lady called, Juan Diego responded, mm-hmm. and his entire people right. answered. Yeah. And now if you go to, to Mexico, to Mexico City most especially, yeah. uh, that, entire, that entire city kind of revolves around that shrine yeah yeah Yeah, and although she's she is most often associated with mexican culture anderson said that our lady of guadalupe was and continues to be a model of evangelization for the world Mm -hmm. he says quote she's not only she not she not only transformed america into the christian hemisphere but she remains a model of enculturation of dialogue between cultures of healing and above all love Mm -hmm. he says she lovingly calls us to the gospel message of her son it is no accident that her image is the most recognizable religious icon in this hemisphere and that she is revered from Alaska to Argentina. That's mm. right. Beautiful. Again, I just just that invitation of how beautiful today um, to be invited again to come and see, mm-hmm. to come and look, to come and gaze upon the mysteries of the faith. Yeah, and if mystery serve, mystery, if memory serves, she's also the patroness of the Americas. Yes, mm-hmm. she is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the entire, this entire hemisphere. Uh, and, and that in and of itself is that, that she is not just for, for the, the Aztecs, for the pagan mm-hmm. peoples of 1531. She also, she also, sorry, I went to Connery <laughs> there for a second. She also wishes to call out to us and call out to the elements of our pagan culture mm-hmm. that need to see a mother, right. a mother pregnant with child, mm-hmm. a mother ready to show her son to us. Yeah, and full of hope. Yep. I mean, at a time yeah. that she's saying, hey, you think your, your world is ending. Come yeah. and see another world. That's right. There's That's there right. is hope. There is there is a future. Mm-hmm. That's right. The new world is not just mm-hmm. this hemisphere. The new world is the world opened up by grace, opened mm-hmm. up by the one who is full of grace, responding to grace, right? Responding to the angel Gabriel. Oof. I hope that gets your your Christmas blood going because I know it does for me. Yes, uh, yeah, absolutely. And and so certainly, um, if if you want something good to do, I would say uh, you can Google images of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And they have some very high resolution scans, mm-hmm. and uh, and like um, and like almost servant of God, Carlo, you can do a little little computer work on your own and and, and use Google to, to zoom in and out. And of there's that. a lot, there's a lot more. I want to throw that in there. There's a oh, lot the more sim- symbolism in there. Yeah. Please go look it up. It's it's amazing. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's right. The, the codex, the codex that is. Our Lady of Guadalupe. Yeah. Codex is an awesome word to use. <laughs> yes, well, uh, well, do not forsake the codex that is the Catholic underground. We're going to take a little bit of a break, but stay right where you are. We're going to stay here. A prayer for vocations. O oh God, 
who wills not the death of a sinner, but rather that he be converted and live, grant we beseech you through the intercession of the Blessed Mary, ever Virgin, Saint Joseph her spouse, and all the saints, an increase of laborers for your church, fellow laborers with Christ, to spend and consume themselves for souls. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Welcome back. You have found the Catholic Underground with me, Father Chris Decker, joined by Olivia Galino and Kathleen Lee and Jeff Blackwell. And uh, let's see, anybody else? Ed and Katie are, yes. are in the uh, in the video cave there. And have of course, you, the question is, have you found us or have we found you? Hmm. Hmm. I think with Facebook, it's a little bit of both. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah, that's yeah. We found each other. We did. We have met on this digital <laughs> continent. It's a beautiful thing. Yes. Isn't it? Yeah, our picks of the week that you've probably been waiting for are coming up in a little while. All right. But yep. but we don't want to we don't want to give that away well, just yet. That's not crazy. Uh, we, well, we know that we are uh, in this Gaudete Sunday whenever we're recording the show, and uh, so Christmas is on the horizon. So close. So close. In fact, we even have this this beautiful poinsettia um, in in the studio, which uh, was was lovingly was lovingly um, kind of lent <laughs> to us by uh, was it your mom, Jeff? Yeah, my mom. Yeah. Aline Blackwell. Yeah, oh, she. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, That's she, beautiful. Yeah. It is really nice. She right. loves watching your little young whippersnapper. Well, you know, <laughs> it wouldn't have made the, uh, the 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 trip to space, you know, un un. Uh, Untroubled. Yeah, untroubled. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> yeah, all he got is dried points that is up in Jeff Star one. Oh, yeah. And not that very tasty either. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> so so in light of all this, we want to prepare you for the coming of Santa Claus. But mm. here's the deal, right? Remember Santa Claus, Father Christmas, is also a saint of the church. That's right. Right? Saint Nicholas. Yeah. And whose feast day, if you're watching us live, we just celebrated this past week. Mm-hmm. Uh, on December 6th is his day. And St. Nicholas is one of those saints that's revered by East and West alike because he was originally from the East and yeah. then his uh, legacy, his life was brought over to the West and uh, devotion to him grew there. So it's a it's a kind of meeting point between Catholics and Orthodox. Um, Saint How Nicholas. unlikely, St. Nicholas, the right. guy we don't think of as, as being this uh, this juggernaut. Yeah, mm-hmm. you wouldn't, but it's always the unlikely ones, right? That's true. That's true. Or at least it seems that way. It does. Well, uh, Father Joseph Marquis has portrayed St. Nicholas and Santa for over mm-hmm. 45 years, and I hope that means he dresses up. Uh, and he yes. also founded the St. Nicholas Institute. Um, so he's just this wealth of facts and information um, for, from the familiar things that you probably have heard about St. Nicholas since grade school, um, or the forgotten things that you're like, is that real? Did mm-hmm. that, did that mm-hmm. happen? Uh, and so he... T- compiled for the National Catholic Register all of these facts uh, into a nice little list. And you know how we like lists? We love lists. We, we love the lists. Every time we get to a list, I'm like, oh, yes, a list. I love how on, on the St. Nicholas Institute website, uh, he, he, he does, in fact, Father Marquis does, in fact, portray St. Nicholas as Santa Claus, also dressed as a bishop of the West yes. and dressed as a bishop of the East. Wow. I like it. So yeah, stnicholasinstitute.org. He covers all his bases. He does. How awesome. That is That's awesome. That's pretty cool. Uh, man, I'm jealous. I want those costumes. <laughs> um, starting with our list, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going. I'll Keep Google going. that later. Right. Uh, yeah, so number one on our list, mm-hmm. the saint's name, Nicholas, it's actually of Greek origin, which I wouldn't have guessed, mm-hmm. um, and it means victor of people. 
And, oh, yes. Yeah, and okay. it makes sense. I mean, I always tell people, like, names mean something. You know, it's yeah. like you have a name, and it, it may have been given to you because it was pretty or because a family member had it or something, but names mean they do. things. They do. Uh, and so it's it's this is just evidence of that, that mm -hmm. his name means victor of people, and his life proved that to be true. That's right. And he won them not for himself, but for Christ. That's right. Uh, with the capital V, Victor. That's right, Victor. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. Uh, so number two, Nicholas was born in Patara in 270 AD, uh, which is in the east, and he served as Bishop of Myra, um, and both of those are seaport towns off of Turkey's southern coast, mm -hmm. uh, and he lived there all his life. He died in 345, um, and that's one of the things that makes your ears kind of like perk up and say, well, how did he get to the West? We'll get there. Yeah. Uh, and if you're thinking those names sound familiar, it's because they are. Um, St. Paul passed through those towns on his way to stand trial in Rome. Mm -hmm. um, and he documents this in Acts of the Apostles. So St. Luke, or St. Luke does. Um, he records that crossing the open sea off the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra in Lycia. Mm -hmm. um, and so... Acts of the Apostles, chapter 27, it, it's, it's there. This, this was, in fact, a geographical place in which the saints inhabited. That's right. And 200 some odd years later, St. Nicholas was there and he was their bishop. That's right. Um, but as you probably have heard, his remains are not in Turkey, in present-day Turkey. They ended up in another seaport town. Dun, 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 dun. It's in Italy. Yay! <laughs> All things lead to Italy. That's right. They really do. Uh, they You're do. welcome. Yeah. Somehow. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes by skullduggery. Yes. Well, those are the most <laughs> interesting to stories, That's right. too. Uh, so they ended up, his remains ended up in Bari, which is, if you're thinking of Italy as a boot, and you should, it's on the heel. That's right. There you go. Yeah, it's on the heel of the boot. Nice little port town mm -hmm. uh, right across the Adriatic. Uh, and the Feast of the Translation of the Holy Relics of St. Nicholas, that's quite a name, uh, from Myra to Bari occurred in 1087, that event. Um, and it's, the feast is celebrated in Italy to this day on May 9th. Um, and there's a there's a basilica there that I've actually had the pleasure of going to, um, and they have a shrine to him. Uh, and all of that was completed shortly after his remains arrived there. Um, but... There's a twist. Yeah. The Venetian sailors who really stole the bones of St. Nicholas from his tomb in Myra, they then left behind some fragments. Mm -hmm. And then in 1100, the year 1100, they went back to Myra to collect the remaining fragments. Uh. And those fragments are in Venice. So oh. there were, there's your skullduggery. That's right. They, didn't, yeah. they said, mm, we're not going to bring these back to Bari. We're going to take these for ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, so if you go to the, Saint, the church of St. Nicholas on the Lido in Venice, then you'll get to see pieces and parts of our good St. Nicholas. Mm -hmm. and, and in a sense, in, in death, that also shows his, his wide-reaching uh, acclaim mm -hmm. uh, as being the victor of people. That, uh, that uh, Sad to say that even as people were trying to, to, to get a, a bit of the relics of St. Nicholas, it shows actually a, a deep devotional life. Now, mm -hmm. you can say what you want about, oh, well, that's because we want to have you know, a, a pilgrimage center, because mm -hmm. you know, that means Skrilla. Yeah. cabbage yeah. you know <laughs> stocks bonds cash stable commodities but but it is it does speak more broadly to the fact that that there is something about this saint that does draw people in mm -hmm. to Christ yeah and you know his his influence was widespread thinking about how he was bishop in 270 he died in the 300s and th all of this is occurring in the late thousands yeah, like a year right. 1100 so, so, so that's the, a long the time the cultus the following mm -hmm. of of saint nicholas uh, and his intercession is certainly well established exactly enough to go steal his bones <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, number four on our good trusty list. This is actually, I think, one of the coolest things on this list. There's a pure liquid known as the manna of St. Nicholas. Mm -hmm. Yes, like that manna. Mm -hmm. um, that's flowed from his bones for 17 centuries. Cool. So that's the entire cultus, his father was saying, from the time of his death up till now. Because, yes, it still happens. Right. Uh, so each May 9th on that feast that we were talking about of the translation of the relics of St. Nicholas, there's a Dominican priest will siphon the manna from St. Nicholas, from his bones, into a glass vial. And that manna is traditionally used to bless the faithful. Who are so, there, who are gathered there. Yeah. Uh, can you imagine? My what? Goodness. I'm going to go there. Well, we, get we, the should, manna. Santa? we should go to Bari. Santa manna. <laughs> oh, no. She's okay, unstoppable I'm sorry. now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I take it back. I'm sorry, St. Nicholas. I'm I think sorry. it's pretty clever. That is, that's yeah. clever. I, yeah. I like yeah. that. She, all, she, she I was going to say she likes all these little uh, alliterations. Mm -hmm. so, well, yeah. now you'll never forget That's the right. Santa, the manna from Santa. The manna from Santa. There you mm -hmm. go. But yeah, but how You're cool. You're welcome, world. <laughs> how cool that his legacy doesn't just include intercessory prayer mm -hmm. or, or devotion that leads to imitation to Christ, but right. it's it's literal presence, a physical presence that, that Christ, that God uses mm -hmm. to heal people, mm -hmm. um, to keep his ministry going. I love that. Sacramentals um, are awesome that way. They mm -hmm. are. They really are. And that's one that I didn't know about. So I love that I got to learn something. I always love when I get to learn something. It's all part of the public service we provide here at the Catholic Underground. That's right. Mm -hmm. Feeding the mind sponge. <laughs> that's right. So number five on the list. When St. Nicholas was born, his parents were serving the needs of the sick. So his his need to, to serve is kind of hereditary mm -hmm. in a way. It's built into his family unit. Yeah, yeah. he learned from his parents. Uh, unfortunately, they contracted the same disease as the sick that they were serving, and they died. Mm -hmm. um, so being the only child, he inherited everything. And Father Marquis says that St. Nicholas is the first of the saints that you can really consider to be a philanthropist because of the way he designated his wealth to be used for certain things at certain times. Mm -hmm. um, and one of these ways is number six. Number mm -hmm. six, num uh, St. Nicholas. This is the most famous tale yeah. uh, of St. Nicholas. Yeah, so you're thinking back to... Charity. So like the first grade when you're learning about good old St. Nick, this is probably one of the things that you learned. Um, he ha he was known for anonymous gift giving, and it originated in his hometown of Patara in Turkey. Um, so according to ancient tradition, to deliver a destitute family of a widower father and his three daughters, uh, the father didn't have a dowry to pay for the daughters, um, for a dowry to which they would have needed to get married. Mm -hmm. uh, otherwise, he would have had to sell them into slavery mm -hmm. um, just out of poverty. So in order to keep that horrible thing from happening, Nicholas, as a young man, he secretly threw three bags of gold through their window on three consecutive nights. Uh, and I, I've also heard that the reason that we put our shoes out on mm -hmm. December 5th on the eve of St. Nicholas Day is because um, the gold landed in their shoes that were warming by the fire. Ah, yes. Yeah, mm. that's, oh. the, that's yeah. The, the pious legend for sure. Mm. Yeah. And also, I'll go you one more there. Uh, have you ever driven by a pawn shop and noticed those three discs yeah. that are yeah. part of the pawn shop logo? Uh -huh. um, it is suggested that that is because those are the three bags of gold. Um, mm. Yes. Well, look at that. So is... St. Nicholas, the patron saint I of I believe he is the patron saint of pawnbrokers. <laughs> yeah. okay. You know what? Y'all are prophets, because that was number oh. seven on my list. Oh, I'm oh. sorry. Oh, wow. Look at okay. that. Well, huh. carry on, sister. Keep on, keep <laughs> yeah. on trucking. So one of his many patronages is being the patron saint of pawnbrokers, just for that very reason. Mm -hmm. so look at you. All because huh. of this great compassion. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and he did have such a compassion for the poor and the marginalized, and in particular for children, which is why he's so lauded um, as 
Santa Claus in uh, in popular piety, um, but especially he was had compassion and, and a service for providing aid anonymously to those in greatest mm-hmm. need, to those who were just desperately poor. Mm-hmm. Um, and it became so legendary his compassion in this way that it never faded over the centuries, like we were talking about earlier. Um, in fact, it inspired others, and it was imitated, especially around Christmas. So um, and and in many countries. So that's why you have such a widespread devotion and it seems to be centralized in the month of December, specifically, obviously, on his his feast day. So if you're wondering how he got to be Santa Claus. Which is a good thing to wonder. It is uh-huh. a good, because you look at Nicholas and you're like, I yeah. guess if you took the clus out and yeah. cut, mm, mm. And if you keep the pointy head and make it floppy. Right, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Throw in a reindeer or two. Throw in a reindeer <laughs> for right, good yeah. measure. Because he had those, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so... I love language because it always happens through corruption that we get the things that we have. So like mm-hmm. someone said this and then they cha- made it's like a big game of telephone, right? That's right. So he got to be Santa Claus because of a corruption of the Dutch way of referring to him as Sinterklaas. And if you're Dutch, I'm sorry, that's not right. Sinterklaas. Sinterklaas, yeah. So the Dutch brought Sinterklaas, that name, with them to North America in 1621 mm-hmm. when they founded New Amsterdam, um, which is on the tip of Manhattan. Yep. Um, and English-speaking settlers, they, they heard that name, they liked it, and so they kind of appropriated it, but they did it incorrectly, and it evolved into Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. And New Amsterdam evolved into the city so nice. They corrupted it twice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There There we go. There you go. There it is. And if you're from New York, mm. sorry. Yeah, Yeah. it's okay. It's okay. I'm not saying that at all. No, I've been in New York. It's lovely. I enjoy your pierogies. Yay! Yeah, yeah. Which which you may see in a future show. Food, food. So number nine on our list, Saint Nicholas is sometimes referred to as Boy Bishop. Uh, mm-hmm. Because not because he was you know childlike in a in a bad way, but because he was consecrated bishop of Myra at the tender age of thirty, which to be ordained a bishop at thirty is pretty unusual. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I believe to be ordained a bishop in the present code of canon law, you have to be thirty-five. There you go. At least thirty-five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that just shows the the level of, of his his piety and um, mm-hmm. and his and oftentimes his these things were done by acclamation mm-hmm. where. You know, you, you got a guy who's like, I'm just trying to help the poor. And they go, no, you will yeah. be our bishop. And they kind of carry him off. That's and they, right. They did something the like that with St. Augustine, too. He, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. In fact, there are even uh, saints that were not priests. Yeah. <laughs> they were they were unmarried laymen, and they were carried off and made bishop because you of their be holiness. Bishop, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so number 10, uh, this is one of my favorite things about St. Nicholas, is that he was a, a devoted father of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's one of the 318 bishops participating in the Council of Nicaea, the famous council. Um, this is the first ecumenical council of the church, actually, in 325. Um, and the main purpose of this council was to combat Arian heresy, which focused too much on the humanity of Christ to the point of denying Jesus' divinity, um, which is a big no-no because Christ is both human and divine. Um, so the Council of Nicaea, as we know, formulated the Nicene Creed, which we say yep. every Sunday and on feast days, and it outlines the basic Christian belief that the Son is consubstantial with the Father, that mm-hmm. he is divinity. That's right. Um, of one being with. That's right. As um, it were. And so Nicholas, uh, you've probably heard, he's famously portrayed as slapping or punching Arius at that yeah. council, mm-hmm. um, which shows that he did have a little bit of a temper. So, you know, there's hope for all of us. <laughs> yes, indeed. And a desire for great justice <laughs> to be done. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, so number 11, as we've mentioned, Nicholas was um, was very 
big into being anonymous with his charity, but there were times when he was not hidden or anonymous mm -hmm. in helping the afflicted. Uh, and there are records of him intervening to save three men falsely condemned to be executed by a corrupt magistrate who had ex accepted a bribe and was just doing it because he was paid to. So Nicholas, quite fearlessly, uh, walked up to the executioner and grabbed the sword from his hand. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, that's pretty brazen. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, usually the sword could could be right and yeah. thrust into your mm -hmm. midsection if you tried to do that. Exactly, one misstep and bye-bye yeah. Saint Nick. Yeah. So yeah. for that reason, he's the protector of the innocent, um, not only because he's the, the patron of children. I just see him grabbing it and then being like, what, get out <laughs> of here. I believe that would be the first recorded come at me, bro. Yeah, <laughs> I, can see, I can see Santa Claus just like, come on, let's do this. You want some of that? Yeah. Put that sword down. Get out of here. I thought you were supposed to be a nice man. I didn't. <laughs> Sorry, Santa. Yeah. Oh. So all of these just reasons to love Santa even more. Love it. Yeah. Uh, number 12 awesome. on our list. Um, the inspiration of St. Nicholas led some French nuns during the Middle Ages to start the tradition of bringing anonymous gifts, keeping that anonymity uh, going, under the cover of night to needy families and children on December 5th, um, so St. Nicholas Eve. And then the next morning on the feast, the poor families would wake up to discover all the things that they needed, food, clothing, some treats, and maybe even some money. Mm. Um, and then if, when the poor tried to find out who did this wonderful thing, they were simply given the answer, well, must have been St. Nicholas. Mm -hmm. um, and so you boil that down to the current day, and, and that's how we get uh, treats and candies in our shoes. Mm -hmm. If you put your shoes out mm -hmm. before, uh, on the, the day before, the night before St. Nicholas's feast day. That's right. I forgot to put mine out. I know. All I got I was, was my bottled water delivery. <laughs> so, that's kind of a treat. It is kind of a treat. It may have been St. Nicholas, but I think it might have been the bottled water delivery guy. I think it was St. Nicholas. Oh, my that God. seems more logical. The magic me. Christmas is dead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. Uh, Kathleen's killing my Christmas bus. <laughs> <laughs> well, something that won't kill your Christmas bus, there is possibility of chocolate. Yes, that looks okay, like gold. Yeah, yeah. That looks like gold. Say more about that. Yeah, so uh, the the throwing of the coins, uh -huh. we need to commemorate that, right? And gold coins are not very mm, plentiful, plentiful yeah, nowadays right. yeah. because mm -hmm. we don't live in, in that time. But you can't have chocolate that looks like yes. gold. And so isn't that just Thankfully, as wonderful? Thankfully, that's plentiful. Yeah, and so those are typically given to children to commemorate the day. And they can also be given to adults because we like chocolate that looks like money. Yes, I <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Up yeah. in the Jeff Star One, they have a whole closet that just has chocolate coins in it. No, no, oh, no. oh, that's okay. It's expensive to get up to the Jeff Star One. That's so true. Okay. Yeah, okay, so we're safe. All right, number 15 on the list. Uh, I love this. I didn't know this, that candy canes are, a, you know, we all know, a staple in America, but they're associated with Santa Claus ooh, ooh. Um, because know. they derive from his crozier, which is the bishop's staff mm -hmm. oh, of Santa Claus, okay. of St. Nicholas. That's right. Yeah, so I, I mean, I've heard, like, so many things that explain why the candy cane is a thing. I've never heard that before. So mm, I was, yeah. yeah. Uh, so like we said earlier, if you're wondering how the, the devotion to St. Nicholas got to the West, um, like I did, it was all because of Emperor Constant, of, uh, the Emperor of Constantinople's niece, Prince Theophania or Theophano. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, she's considered by historians to be the person most responsible for bringing St. Nicholas to the heart of the Western Empire. And it was because of her marriage. She married um, Otto II, and as a wedding gift, she gave him an icon of St. Nicholas oh. um, when they were married, yeah, in 972. So, east meeting west. 
Nice. She cool. also is credited with uh, bringing the fork into the West. Oh. In case you wanted to know that. Good yeah. for her. So if you there used you a go. fork today, that's all you have to think. I did. I had to find them, but they were there. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so uh, all of this is uh, talk about candy and, and uh, it's kind of like fun and games, but uh, when it boils down to it, what we remember about St. Nicholas is like the spirit of Christmas, um, yeah. but he himself is not the spirit of Christmas. And Father Marquis reminds us of this, that the true spirit of Christmas is actually the third person of the Blessed Trinity, mm. the Holy Spirit. Um, and he says that because yeah. a humble maiden in Nazareth was open to the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit, the, the tabernacling of the Holy Spirit, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, a reality that was proclaimed by a multitude of the heavenly host on that first Christmas. Yep. So St. Nicholas is a wonderful representation or a reminder of that tabernacling, of right. that, that dwelling on earth mm -hmm. of the Holy Spirit. And it takes the form of charity. Uh, it takes the form of, of a good intercession of healing and ultimately of, of imitation of Christ right. uh, in his ministry and even till even still today. Yep, and that's yeah. that's ultimately what the saints do, um, and really it's what we're called to do by virtue of our baptism. We mm -hmm. are called to in flesh. That's right. What the Word made flesh has done for us. We become part of His mystical body, and that's why we are called to reach out in charity. That's why we're called to do all of these things. That Saint Nicholas did, and that's why uh, Santa's helpers are still mm -hmm. helping. That's right. Mm -hmm. You know, well. Jeff, I suppose that uh, we should help uh, our viewer at home and our listener on the radio with those little things in the show that we like to call... The CU Pick of the Week. And for our first pick of the week, yes. we'll go to, I think, Kathleen. Yes! Aha! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to continue our... our, our gift giving right. series gift giving two, with a purpose i think yeah, right yeah you have two weeks left people um <laughs> let's get on it what, <laughs> are, you, right. what are you doing time. this is you know clutch time right now um and right. so i again i always like to buy things with a that have something beyond what i'm giving mm -hmm. um you know it comes from some kind of organization that provides something for someone else um so today's gift giving idea is actually called purpose um and it's a it's a jewelry shop so if you're sh shopping for that special lady in your life <laughs> me should i be shopping yeah. for oh, okay. i've bookmarked some things i'll put them on the, the website um, <laughs> the show notes are important <laughs> this mm -hmm. week folks yeah but purpose is a, uh it provides economic opportunities for young women who have been um been rescued from the from sex trafficking mm. oh wow and so wow. we know a lot of these women um come from from poor backgrounds um they may not um you know, they may have been in this industry for a long time and not know how to function in uh, society. So this gives them an opportunity, teaches them a craft, a skill, um, and then provides beautiful jewelry, um, beautiful, simple jewelry. Mm -hmm. I'll um, tell you, I'm looking at it, and, and these are some beautiful it's things nice. here. They're and, very unique. And inexpensive, too. Yeah. 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 And also gets the word out about, because they, they have a blog, they have... Um, you know they have you know whole thing about what they do um, gets the word out about about the sex trafficking trade um, mm -hmm. it's something mm -hmm. that's that's kind of hidden and not really talked about right. so incredibly horrendous but yeah. many don't know about yeah. it yeah right? yeah and and people don't even know that it could be happening to people that you know that's right um, so so this is a, an incredible opportunity a friend of mine Katie put this on her Facebook and I, I jumped on it because it's just beautiful so purpose jewelry it's uh, purposejewelry.org um, they have bracelets, earrings, necklaces, rings, um, beautiful, beautiful stuff. So, and a beautiful purpose. Yeah. Well, the purpose. Very cool. Well, Olivia, <laughs> how about your pick of the week? 
Yeah, I actually I took a cue from from Kathleen's <gasps> theme. Yeah. theme uh, oh yeah, yeah, the like gift giving with a purpose. Yeah, yeah. So I the last two weeks I realized I've been doing things to read for Advent, mm-hmm. and so I was like, well, I should just, keep that going. Just pick yeah. up with that. Right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, so if you're looking for something else to read, maybe you finish the other things, and you're like, mm-hmm. ah, well, I'm ready for something new. Uh, I recommend the Sermons for Advent and the Christmas Season by Saint Bernard of Clairvaux. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, uh, this he's very book, readable. Yeah, it's 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 sermons, so it's things that he would have given to his congregation to his his parishioners mm-hmm. uh, and they're very accessible they're easy to read you can read one sermon a night uh, and they're just incredible um, he he makes really dense theological topics very accessible mm-hmm. um, which is good when you're looking to have spiritual reflection um, especially in Advent we're, we're in this this time of expectation so it's not the time for for me to be puzzling over uh, dense theological issues. I want to, to enter into them. And he's he's perfect for that. Um, this is actually a book that I've had for a couple of years, and um, I've never made it to the Christmas sermons, but this is the year I'm going <laughs> to do it. This is the one. <laughs> this is the year. Um, but I can attest that the Advent ones are especially beautiful, and I have no doubt that the Christmas ones are as well. Cool. Yeah. Wow. That's Excellent. My well, well uh, from, from the reader to the foodie. Yeah, and I almost—I mean, I almost hate to follow Olivia. I'm sorry because it's okay, you Jeff. You gotta have so something meaningful. to eat while you're eating. That's why I don't like to follow Kathleen. <laughs> okay, uh, mine is a, is a food item. Um, I love condiments. Uh, you know, like yeah. a little A one or some sweet relish or something to eat on the side. And some would say the condiment is the reason for the entree. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'll tell you what. The French fry is there just to get the ketchup to my mouth. <laughs> you know, let's be honest it. about that. Yeah. Uh, well, I tell you, I found this uh, a, a Trader Joe's hot and sweet jalapenos. Oh. And I'm telling you, they are so good. I've even taken just just regular old steamed rice and uh-huh. poured some of the juice on it, and it just makes a difference. And it's even great on Space Toast. <laughs> wow. You were picking up on that, weren't you? Father? I loved me some Space Toast in my day. <laughs> yes, I know exactly what you're oh talking about, too. No, they, and now, they're, they're, plenty, uh, they're plenty spicy, but I mean, really, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's just a great condiment, something to add to that. I mean, even with scrambled eggs, uh, these uh, hot yeah. and sweet jalapenos are great. No- nice. Normally, jalapeno things scare me because yeah. my stomach... It is not an ironclad constitution, especially <laughs> when it comes to, to... But, you know, every now... I'm branching out. Like, yeah. if, if I know I've got a few vacation days coming, yes. I'll eat something <laughs> spicy. So, so, you know... Ooh, there you go. Ooh, big it eater there. crazy oh, over there with his jalapenos. <laughs> yeah, well... So, uh, if you don't hear him from him for a couple of days, that's... Uh, okay. That's right. Then I'll know what Jeff gave me. You'll know what Jeff gave me for Christmas. <laughs> what is your pick of the week, Father? My pick of the week is actually uh, something that's very useful for, for you men. It's called nightstrong.org, and it's, uh, it's a, a program announced by the Knights of Columbus, uh, a website with everything needed to inspire and train knights who seek the Lord with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. It mm-hmm. was launched on uh, September 8th of this year, the birth of Mary. And um, so it's for the KCs, by the KCs of the state of Wisconsin. And so if, you're, if you really want to kind of dig in as part of the church militant, because that's what we are, right? We are confirmed. And we are, when we are mm-hmm. confirmed, we are sent into the battleground that is our everyday life. And we talked about it earlier, making holy the everyday, making holy the mundane. This is a website that gives you basic prayers, devotions, a guide for confession, a little bit on the saints, the mass readings. It even introduces you men, believe it or not, to the divine office. Mm. So if you're interested in learning to pray the liturgy hours, as the Second Vatican Council hoped you would be, then this is the place you can go and to learn all about that. It's called nightstrong.org. 
dot o-r-g k-n-i-g-h-t strong dot o-r-g really really good uh, website um, has monthly yeah. devotions it's got the the rosary if you can't remember how to say the rosary if it's been a while you know whenever i was young and in high school i couldn't remember how to say the rosary i didn't mm. know i had never really learned to so to speak mm-hmm. and so when i finally wanted to take those rosary beads up uh, on my own I didn't know how to do it, and so I had to hunt back in those days before the internet. I think we were still in Prodigy. Is we might have had Prodigy or CompuServe. Uh, there were no no resources like this, so I had to go and find a pamphlet somewhere, and uh, and so sure enough, I did. But now you don't have to do that. You can go to nightstrong.org to do that. Uh, Gabby in the chat room says that uh, Jeff is the best. Bring space toast on the cruise. <laughs> Yeah, apparently we're we're planning this uh, this cruise. I hope it happens. Huh? I certainly yeah, hope it does. Yeah, I'd love me some space toast, especially if I could have the jalapeno stuff and I wouldn't have to worry about the rest mm, of it because mm, I'd be on a boat. Mm, so. That's right. Okay. <laughs> right. All right. Oh, well, well, you know, you know, Jeff. Yes, sir. We we are always so so grateful for for all of our benefactors. You know, as we wind down uh, in this 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 year. Uh, we thank you especially for those of you who have prayed for us, those mm-hmm. of you who have interceded for us, yes. and certainly for those of you who have uh, have helped us from your financial bounty uh, for for uh, doing sure. the, the things that we need to do. You actually can, your dollar can do so much more whenever you join it to the work that we are already doing. And so we thank you for those of you who've done yeah, that. Absolutely. We have, um, if you are watching us uh, on video feed, we have new cameras. Thanks to your generosity, we have uh, we have a lot of kind of things that have just kind of popped up in the studio. And we are we are quite quite grateful for all that. Mm. But of course, we we also uh, want to invite folks uh, to find out more. Yeah, and since it's at the end of the year and it's yeah. tax deductible, go ahead. Come this on. week's Catholic Underground is possible just simply because of people like you. So join the growing number of undergrounders at catholicundergroundcom Also, portions of Catholic Underground are brought to you by AudibleTrial.com/CatholicUnderground. That's AudibleTrial.com/CatholicUnderground. Right. And also. One more. Yeah, yeah, there's more. There's more. Mystic Monk Coffee. More information at CatholicUnderground.tv. In the chat room, they're saying, what is space toast? I don't know what it is, but I want some. (laughs) You know? You have to ask. Well, then you'll never know. Yeah. Uh, If you want the show notes for this episode, you can go to CatholicUnderground.com and find them. Our panelists have been Kathleen Lee, the Faith Ninja. She's at Kathleen Y-A-B-R. Olivia Galino, she's at OM Galino on Twitter. Our technical director is Jeff Blackwell at Jeff Blackwell Us on Twitter. Our research assistant, one of our producers, uh, leader of the crew in the lab, is Jim Hayes. Our video director is Jeff uh, Blackwell usually, but it's Ed tonight. You do the morning stuff. Ed does the evening stuff, right? Yeah. And, of course, uh, Katie is on the graphics. You know me. I am Father Chris Decker. You can follow me on Twitter at Digital Catholic, most kindly. We hope we've helped you cut through the noise and find that still small voice. We are the Catholic Underground. We are Faith Gone Digital, and we will see you next time.